0: you know having to work while going to school and, and a lot of that struggle and uh, I really had to f- focus on the end goal of I wanted a, I wanted a PhD and yeah. I wasn't going to stop and there were a couple semesters that I didn't do well in classes and had to retake them or you know dif- dif- different you know, you know, life life situations, but I remember waiting tables and telling people what I wanted to do, you know, sometimes, you know, maybe those career goals changed along the way, but it was always science, you know, and I would talk to some people that said, oh, I always wanted to be a marine biologist, but, you know, now I'm an accountant, and the way they said it it was almost like, well, I gave up on my dream, so you will too, and I just remember, like, that being fuel of like that's not going to be how my story ends
1: this is the o-rise feature cast join host michael holtz for conversations with o-rise experts on stem workforce development scientific and technical reviews and the evaluation of radiation exposure and environmental contamination you'll also hear from o-rise research program participants and their mentors as they talk about their experiences and how they are helping shape the future of science Welcome to the O-Rise Feature Cast.
2: Welcome to the O-Rise Feature Cast. As ever, I'm your host, Michael Holtz, in the communications and marketing department at the Oak Ridge Institute for Science and Education. And I am really excited to be talking to the first this year of three winners of the O-Rise Future of Science Awards, Jenny Paul is one of the recipients of this year's Future of Science Awards, and I'm so excited to have her on the podcast. (laughs) Jenny, welcome to the ORISE Futurecast.
0: Thanks for having me. It's a great opportunity just to uh, talk talk with you and um, tell a little bit more about our program.
2: Absolutely, so thank you so much. And um, so you're one of the three Future of Science Award winners. Tell me how you feel about having been named one of the recipients of this award.
0: Uh, It's a little humbling. My mentor wrote a uh, very, uh, my my mentor wrote a very shining uh, recommendation letter to me. And she actually sent me a copy of the letter when she sent in my uh, recommendation, but I was a little too shy to, to read it. (laughs) <laughs> and then, when I got nominated, I started reading through it, and I was like, "Wow, uh, I didn't realize I was doing uh, so many things because you know you get kind of tunnel vision on on your little projects. and uh, you know, when she had had laid it all out there, it was um, it, it was really awesome to, to see you know everything that I was doing on paper, but then also uh, it was kind of humbling to to see how uh, much respect she had for for me and the work that I've done. Uh, so uh I, I was caught off guard honestly by it it was great and
2: and that you're being noticed, right I mean because like yeah. you said it's sort of like you're going along doing your little projects, working on your research, and you know then boom <laughs> you're nominated. Yeah. For- yeah.
0: Um, and I, I think um with my appointment specifically, I didn't have a well-defined, uh you know project i i was brought on to support the estuary program the pensacola and perdido berries estuary program which is a new um entity that that was just getting started here in the northern gulf of mexico as well as you know research uh in my my host lab so i have one appointment with a regional office uh the gulf of mexico division office in gulfport mississippi With the Region 4 lab, I was brought on to support the SRA program, but through that, I I also have an appointment through um, an Office of Research and Development lab, uh, the Gulf Ecosystem Measurement and Modeling Division in um, Gulf Reef, Florida. And so I do primary research um, through the um through the research lab but it's designed to support the estuary program so it's kind of like full circle um but but within it my you know my appointment was to you know support the estuary program and fill in research needs in the area but it's kind of hard sometimes to know if i'm doing enough or like not enough and so um for the last couple years you know i've just been like um getting involved in this project. Oh, that sounds fun. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll I'll hop on that project and then I'll hear something else like, Oh, that's, that sounds cool. I could probably fit in and collaborate with that. And then by the time this nomination rolled around, I didn't realize that I was involved in like five different projects that are, you know, pretty big, um, you know, interdisciplinary projects. And so um, it's, it's It's pretty nice to be recognized. um, Yeah. Yeah.
2: And so so you've got a lot going on. (laughs) <laughs> obviously right <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. was um was science always something that was of interest to you jenny is this something that you sort of came to you know high school college or you know have you a, you, you do a lot of research in water. So I'm thinking water must be part of your life. <laughs> and very I love much, water in much. general. So, I love water in general. So I'm uh-huh. wondering if, you know, a life around water sort of led to you wanting to study, you know, estuaries and water ecosystems and that sort of thing.
0: Sure. Um, well, I, I kind of found my way here by accident. I thought I was okay. going to be like um, like a wildlife veterinarian working with like big jungle cats or something like that. But um, I, uh, I just followed opportunities as they presented themselves. And I found myself in a freshwater ecology lab uh, as an undergraduate and like never looked back and uh, really I dug deep in benthic ecology which is the study of life at the bottom of a, of a water body. And so mm-hmm. I spent the last 10 years working in, um, like rivers and, and streams. So I was, a, a you know, freshwater biologist. And then, um, with this postdoc, I took a little bit of a shift to marine systems,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, but it's, you know, I've, I've been working in freshwater or uh, uh, aquatic systems for the last 15 years, but, uh, it, it wasn't like necessarily what I set out to do, but then looking back on it, it, it makes sense because I always grew up, you know, camping and you know, we had a boat. So we spent a lot of summers on the lake, just flipping rocks and sure. being out in nature. And so I, I always knew that I was going to do something with animals, something outside. Uh, I'm just, you know, lucky enough. I found my way to, to bugs and worms um it's it's been a great career move Um,
2: right and obviously you enjoy it or you wouldn't have stuck around for 15 years right
0: it's it's great um you know the more you know about something the more you come to care about it and i didn't start out you know as a benthic ecologist but when i started to learn about uh you know aquatic invertebrates and how important they are in the ecosystem i mean there are, there are critical links between uh d- you know different parts of the food chain from the, the lower trophic levels to the fish and the humans and everything else it depends on them and so without the bugs you know so, so there goes you know us all and it, it's sure. really been interesting you know the more i learn about them uh you know not just their critical roles you know, ecosystem services, but also as tools that we use to monitor uh, aquatic ecosystems. Um, I've just, you know, I've just dug deeper and deeper into it and it's created an, an awesome career where I wouldn't have had the same opportunities had I ended up studying something, you know, big charismatic like peregrine falcons or something that I initially thought that I was gonna be doing um, in, in part because there, there's not as many people that want to study bugs. So
2: right.
0: <laughs> it's not as saturated of a field, but also they're really amazing tools of um, a, a, as bioindicators of habitat health. There are um, canaries of the coal mine of aquatic yeah. ecosystems. And um, because of it, I've been able to travel the world uh, bugging and bugs and in several different continents i I did my master's uh part of it in um patagonia chile so i was able to um help one of my friends who was studying um how the stream communities change as you go up in altitude up up a mountain and we had an opportunity to work in this island that had been kind of off limits for a long time because of, um, you know, the Chilean government just weren't letting people on on um, like the southernmost tip of South America. But then, you know, some decades later, you know, they're starting to go out there and study new, you know, study the, the river systems. And it was really cool because it was my first time to see a truly pristine, unpolluted system where, you know, I could walk to places where we might have been the first people to set foot there in 100 years. Wow. And um, it was fully funded NSF fellowship just to study, just to collect some bugs. Um, And and then for my PhD, uh, I worked in in Central Europe, um, studying a a large river that had a big mine tailings disaster. So we did a study about 15 years after looking at um, the metals in the invertebrates and the fish. But I mean, that sent me all over Serbia, Hungary, Bulgaria, Romania, uh, chasing bugs, bugging bugs. Uh, I just- Think that those same opportunities would have been available had I had had I not followed the opportunities as they presented myself, themselves and found my way to an invertebrate lab. Um, you know, I, I just don't know that I would have been able to do do those things. It's it's been a great career.
2: Right. It sounds like it's important if you're speaking to scientists who might be following in your footsteps. It's important to keep an open mind and be open to other possibilities. Because like you said, you could be studying jungle cats or peregrine falcons, but opportunities have led you to this really important research in aquatic insects and bugs and benthic ecology and that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, I didn't even know what benthic invertebrates were when I started college Uh, I I didn't even know that this field existed. And then, you know, taking an opportunity as an undergrad to take a position in a lab, I was just trying to gain some experience and uh, I I fell in love with it. And then, you know, even this O-RISE I tried so hard not to end up in Florida. I'm a, I am was a rock climber, whitewater kayaker, uh, freshwater ecologist. You know, I tried so hard to stay around, you know, Southeastern Tennessee, Asheville where um, a lot of my friends and my um, Beyonce was, was he was in Atlanta at the time. And uh, I ended up getting this O-rise and it, it was such a great opportunity I, I had to, take it and I thought I could do a year or two in Florida studying marine invertebrates which was something completely new to me and now I'm digging my heels in and never leaving Uh, it it was actually funny because when I met my boyfriend he was working in St. Augustine he's also a biologist he's a herpetologist and I told him that uh, he had to move to me I would not move to Florida. And then he moved to me, he moved to be closer to me. And then six months later, I took a job in Florida. Um, he's down here now and he's loving it because um, we just love the biology and, and animals and everything down here. But um, if, if I hadn't, if I hadn't taken the O-Rise, I would never have known how much I love the ocean mm. and how much. I appreciate marine benthic ecology, and there are a lot of gaps that I can fill with my freshwater knowledge that I can now apply to the marine systems and do things that are useful. And I'm doing research that is directly applicable to the people that need it. Um, Managers that are trying to develop monitoring programs like the estuary program that I mentioned earlier. and I wouldn't be here if I didn't take a chance on on the opportunity you know
2: right. I wonder too, you mentioned that aquatic insects can sometimes be the the canary in the coal mine, so to speak. What do we generally take for granted about insect populations and how they are an indicator of the health of water bodies and and the ecology that surrounds us. Um,
0: I I can give you a really good example. We were coming back from... A little bit of field work some colleagues and i on on the boat and we had gone out into the gulf of mexico to collect some water samples and we were on our way back taking it really slow because the water was clear and i was looking down over over the side into the boat you know over the side of the boat into the water and all i saw were little um feeding pits from uh you know, macroinvertebrates and feeding mounds and little trails of snails that had uh, been, you know, meandering their way across the sand and just taking it in awe of how dense the benthic community was and, and how much life there was you know in in otherwise what might have been a desert of sand there was just all of this life and my my colleague who had worked a lot in the in the virgin islands is standing next to me and he says there really isn't anything out there is there and i look at him and i was like oh, there's so many benthic invertebrates. the benthic community is so re- rich and it's just uh you know, when you don't know about it and you don't know what you're looking at, all you're seeing are ripples in the sand. And I realized that, you know, we're seeing two completely different things. And so in areas where you might think that there's no life or there's very little life, there can be a very rich ecosystem. It's just below the surface.
2: I love that. And I love that will make me pay attention more closely next time I'm near the water because I think I would have been like your colleague from the Virgin Islands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if mm-hmm. I don't know to for it or what I'm looking at, I'm not going to see it. Right? Mm-hmm. So, Jenny, you talked early on about your mentor and the glowing letter, that, the glowing nation <laughs> letter. Um, talk about the importance of. This mentor in particular, but the mentorship in general and how important that has been to the development of your career.
0: Mentors are incredibly important. Uh, I have had good mentors and bad mentors Uh, by bad, you know, necessarily, you know, um, maybe not getting the right kind of guidance to push me in the direction that I that I needed or uh, sometimes I needed more attention or, or less attention, and, and so uh, when I've had a mentor like Janet Nestle Road that I, I work with now, uh, she supports me in the things that I that I want to do, but also she has a vision beyond what I necessarily have for myself because I'm you know from an early career scientists looking forward i don't know everything and so what she has been really good about is putting me in the right working groups in the right situations to where i am meeting people in my field that are able to take me to the next level or put me on to certain projects that maybe i didn't think were as important to my career at the time but now they they put me in contact with the right people that um it's really securing my place in this small field of benthic marine benthic ecologists and without her knowledge of the you know the the field and the players and and um you know, what those, what those opportunities are, you know, I would have missed out a lot. And so it's it's really thanks to her, um, giving me support and, um, not just tangible tools. Like I'm learning new statistics and I'm learning new pieces of equipment and all of that is great. But those were things that I was working on, um, in graduate school, I was trying to build just like my toolkit. And now I'm at a point where I'm trying to build a career. And when I before my O rise, uh, before I took this appointment, I didn't have any postdoc experience. I I was out of, you know, out of grad school. And I, I was trying to pursue some of these high level jobs. And I just couldn't get an interview. I just wasn't competitive. And now with the the people that I know now, not just the connections, but I, but I know I have a a better idea of like where it can be useful Mm -hmm. and how to apply for jobs that um, I don't, I don't know exactly how to word it, but um, I'm definitely more competitive after, you know, having um, my mentor and Everything that I have done on my own rise it's thanks to her, and her awesome. giving me these opportunities. I'm um, not to say that I haven't chased down a few on my own, but really a, a lot of it is is thanks to her. You know, uh-huh. like, this would be a good idea to
2: get to involved this. in this project.
0: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, um, Jenny, have yeah. you had the opportunity to mentor younger scientists yourself?
0: Uh, yes, that's probably the most rewarding thing that I get to do. Um, I've I've always looked back because I always wanted to be like the big sister I never had in school, you know, um, to other people. And uh, so I've, I've always really enjoyed teaching when I was in grad school. I loved, you know, teaching and mentoring other students, but as a federal know research fellow obviously we don't teach as often but i was lucky enough to snag a position with a collaborative marine science techniques class with region four epa region four gulf of mexico division and the university of southern mississippi and so we This will be our our second year doing this. Uh, During the winter and summer breaks, we take eight uh, marine biology, marine science students from the university and take them out into the middle of the Gulf of Mexico on a 135 foot research vessel, the Point Sur, and do experiments uh, in deep water, uh, we bring them, you know, near shore so we can do some estuary work, what, what I like to do. But uh, along the way, we we get to mentor the the students. Um, the the EPA scientists are the instructors, okay. and so we need different um, modules. And there's about eight to ten students, and about you know six six EPA scientists uh, that trade off and. It's been great, and and when I first started, that I thought that my biggest contribution would be the the skills that I was showing the students, mm-hmm. the uh, equipment that they were learning to operate. But I've maintained, uh, you know, I've I've kept up, up contact with all of these students from from all every semester that we've taken them out, and looking back, it it was actually just being me and being a young scientist that's very motivated on the ship was probably the best mentoring that I could have done. Um, And and a lot of them have asked me for letters of recommendation. Um, I've helped, I've seen them go on to get amazing internships and. graduate positions and um, a, a lot of opportunities and think and means that it was you know in part that trip gave them some of the confidence and you know their leadership abilities and um, we push them out of their comfort zone we, uh, we put them in wetsuits and throw them in the middle of seagrass and have them start like surveying you know invertebrates and different right. things some of some of them it's their first time you know snorkeling like that and you know it, it's it's so great just to put animals in in people's hands that they've seen you know in books or they've read about in their classes and then we're in the the actual environment and I don't know that I feel like all of those experiences are gifts that I can give them that they couldn't get in school
2: that sounds amazing and I want to be an EPA student I want to <laughs> I want to come and be on the boat. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, it's it's my only time that I've gotten to go out to sea because, you know, before this I was a stream ecologist, so I worked in, you know, a very shallow water. <laughs> sure. I carried everything on my back. You know, we'd hike in, do our sampling, and hike out. And now it's pretty great because I'm on a boat uh when i do a lot of work but most of the work we do is in the estuary which is still you know 30 Mm -hmm. feet deep over three feet but it's nothing compared to the ten thousand feet that we see out in the middle of the gulf of mexico and
2: um, amazing yeah just amazing jenny are there particular obstacles that you have had to overcome in your career to get to where you are um
0: yeah for sure i mean you know, there's, there's the typical, um, you know, financial issues of, you know, mm-hmm. having to work while going to school and, and a lot of that struggle. And uh, I really had to f- focus on the end goal of, I wanted a I wanted a PhD and yeah. I wasn't going to stop. And there were a couple of semesters that I didn't do well in classes and had to retake them or, you know, different, you know, you know, life, life situations. But I remember waiting tables and telling people what I wanted to do, you know, sometimes, you know, maybe those career goals changed along the way, but it was always science, you know, and I would talk to some people that said, Oh, I always wanted to be a marine biologist, but, You know, now I'm an accountant. And the way they said it it was almost like, a well, I gave up on my dream, so you will too. And I just remember like that being fuel of like, that's not going to be how my story ends. And so my undergraduate degree took me almost six years, maybe five and a half. And it was all said and done. Um, And then my master's took, you know, a little bit longer too. It took me 16 years when it was all said and done from starting my undergraduate semester to getting my phd um and i really think that you just have to be you have to be uh tenacious and maybe you know okay with a little bit of like self-suffering a little bit to get through it but
2: <laughs> a little bit of patience it, how long
0: too long it takes yeah. you, know, you just have to have a a long long view and i would see some of my friends along the way that would um you know have gotten their MBA or whatever degree they had and they had entered the workforce. And I was still on the, you know, having five roommates, you know, on the, 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 the pennies of, you know, grad school allowance right. or whatever. And, and I, I wouldn't change We're it. having ramen for dinner. And, you know. Exactly. um But you know, when, when, it, when you, when there's something that you want and you work really hard for it and then you know, my job right now, you know, I'm a research fellow, but I'm doing what I wanted to do Mm -hmm. when I started school. And and I feel like it's a huge success and it makes all those years, you know, it's not like like I'm rolling in money right now, but it's like, it makes all the years of graduate school uh, worth it.
2: Yep. And you'll be, you'll be doing something that you have set out to do Mm -hmm. for all the years that you've been trying to get to where you are. I think that is an amazing, the tenacity and the patience that it takes to put in the work for that long, you know, I mean, when you get, like, -hmm. like, you know, I had to work when I was in college and and grad school and, you know, it takes longer when Mm -hmm. when you can't just go to school, when you have to do life around that, so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's good to have short-term goals because mm-hmm. they keep you motivated. You know, if all your goals are 10 years off, it's kind of hard to stay on track.
2: Sure.
0: But it's also good, as, you know, especially if you're an early, you know, earlier in your career, um, take opportunities as they present themselves because you never know what's what's going to become available. But at the same time, It you know have a long term goal like know where you're running at because you know you blink and five years have gone by and it's like oh well there's oh I always wanted to do this cool thing or or finish my education or or what have you and um, if if you don't keep your eye on that long term goal you're not going to get there or it'll be harder to get there and now when I look at some of my friends that. Um, maybe I was jealous of their life 10 years ago. Now I, I spend a lot of my time out on the water. Uh, I do a lot of snorkeling, looking at, you know, snorkeling and scuba diving, looking at the animals that I'm trying to learn about. And and my friends are like, oh, you've got the best you know job. They see my Instagram and, um, you okay. know, they-, they
2: You're like, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's like
0: I've, I've worked hard for this. Um, but, but I would also say on that, too, um, you don't have to go to school for 16 years to sure. appreciate nature and appreciate, you know, being outside and, and um, a lot of the cool pictures that I post and animals that I see. It's just me on my free time because yeah. I like to go out there. And so you don't have to have a Ph.D. to have amazing experiences. You just have to get out there and.
2: Right. Do it. That's, that's good advice for folks who are listening. Just go have fun and,
0: you know, yeah. nature,
2: nature is there, right? So go explore and, and find things that you don't know about and learn. One of,
0: the, um, one of the students on this last trip, she was so great, but she was uh, obsessed with nudibranchs. Uh, sea slugs, and that was her thing. I remember one time we were having this conversation. And she said, "Well, my family they just said there's, there's not a career in, in nudibranchs. I, I just don't know if I'll be able to do that for a career." And I was like, "Well, you know, maybe you will, maybe you won't. But whether that's your career or not, no one can stop you from studying nudibranchs and going out there and, and looking at them. If that's what you want to do, uh, you don't, you don't have to be a." phd and new to Brinks to, to appreciate wow. that um yeah. you know i i it, it's it's just been interesting um you know as the more i get into it there's you know a lot of scuba divers and a lot of avid you know ocean enthusiasts and and whatnot and um they know a lot about the ocean just because they're out there and and they're obviously yeah. they it. Yeah. so um you know, there's a lot of cool things you can do um, with or without a PhD, so you don't have to. But if you want one, you know, go for it. It's,
2: it's really, out there, right?
0: It's not that hard. You just have to be tenacious. Just
2: <laughs> Right.
0: I always say anyone can get a PhD. You just, you know, have to be stubborn.
2: And keep going. hmm Yeah. Um, this is an obvious question, but you clearly are enjoying your Rice Fellowship you would recommend, I assume, to other folks to find an ORISE Fellowship that works for them?
0: Very much, uh, anyone that's listening, that's considering an O-Rise, for sure, go on Z Zintellect, how do you say Z-Z it?
2: Intellect. Yeah. Zintellect,
0: intellect, yeah. Get on Zintellect, browse through the opportunities that are there and uh, even if it's not anything that you immediately envision yourself doing go ahead and apply and and you never know it might be a, a new career opportunity for you um, that that's what I did and uh it it definitely has been a uh, experience of a lifetime it, it's it's not just the funding opportunities to travel to conferences and things like that but the support that you get by mentorship in the agency that you want to go into or um you know just getting some agency experience in, in general that's that's things you cannot get in academia or it's harder to get in academia and um, I've, I've already right re- i mean everyone i talk to that's asking me about opportunities. I'm like, look, look on, look for ORISE, ORISE, overall
2: <laughs> Look for them, they're there. 100. It's great
0: too, because yeah, we're, you know, we're kind of um, like a cool little club in um, both EPA offices that I work in, but the other ORISes, we definitely interact and- That's awesome. Support each other as well. So it's kind of like um, having your own little like graduate cohort, within. Nice. I mean, I'm a postdoc, so I'm not. Yeah. In, you know, I'm out of school right now, but um, it feels a lot like when I was in in school because you have your.
2: You still have your hangout friends and your your buds that you're working with together.
0: Mm-hmm. All of that. Someone that's a level, you know, that's your level, and not just all the mentors that.
2: Yeah. You know yep. the
0: other EP, you know federal. Um, scientists that you're working with it's fun to have some other people that we're all kind of figuring it out
2: (laughs) i like that um last question for you jenny what brings you joy
0: oh that's a easy question and a hard question because you might be able to tell i can get excited about anything and so I think it's, you know, it's easy to find joy in your everyday life, but I'd say what brings me the most joy is uh, service, service. So when I'm um, out on that ship with the University of Southern Mississippi students, when I'm Mm -hmm. out there, uh, you know, in a role of, you know, I'm there for them, mentoring them, um, I get the most out of it uh the research when it's something that is solving a problem and and helping um that's the most rewarding and so i really think it's 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 service to in the community around you around me is what brings me the most most joy
2: awesome i love that answer um jenny paul thank you so much for spending this time with me and talking about your o fellowship and your Future of Science Award, and just the great experience that you've had. I really appreciate this time.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it, Michael. It's been great talking to you.
2: Thanks. Great talking to you as well. And I hope you have a great day, and I hope our paths cross again soon.
1: Thank you for listening to the ORISE Cast. To learn more about the Oak Ridge Institute for Science and Education, visit orise.orau.gov or find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at o Connect. If you like the ORISE rise Featurecast, give us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. The Oak Ridge Institute for Science and Education is managed by O-R-A-U for the U.S. Department of Energy.